Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Firm. I'm here with Lance Nice Guy Psycho. I am just your host, Al Gore. Lance, why are you such a nice guy? I can't even remember. They just I just know that they call me that <laughs> on a routine basis. If there's anybody if there's anything that anybody says about me, wow, that guy's a nice guy. He's definitely not a jerk. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so anyways, uh, uh update about what we're gonna be talking today before we get into the reads. Um we're gonna be talking about two pass. And I want people to think about this with uh, society and the economy and the U.S. and all that. We're going to talk about a, a really cool idea for a construction robot. Um, and then uh, Entree Architect. Uh, if you're not in the Entree Architect fa- Facebook community, you need to be in there. It's where all the knowledge is shared uh, and going from there. But before we get to that, go to buildabetterco.com and watch our five shifts to boost your profit, right? Take a look at it. It's a free webinar, free resource. It's gotten great reviews. If you are not making 20% plus on profit, you need to take a look at that. Uh, it's going to help you uh, basically manage the, the economy, manage the inflation, uh, take, you know, be more efficient at your firm, take more vacations with that, whatever you want to do with that. It's all up to you. Buildabetterco.com. And check out uh, episode 300 where Alex basically talks about the whole thing in much more detail. Mm -hmm. And when you're done looking at that, I don't need you to head over to arcat.com because accurate data is crucial, especially in today's business environment. Outdated and inaccurate data leads to turnarounds, delays, and rising costs with supply chain and staffing issues. These costs and delays can multiply. That's why a resource like arcat.com is so important. Arcat works with manufacturers to keep their data up to date and accurate and offers it to you easily accessible and free. Use Arcat's powerful search engine to find what you need and download it right there on their website without needing to pay anything or even register. So try Arcat.com today. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. Last but certainly not least, Pelaluxury.com forward slash the firm. Experience a collection of brands that brings your creative vision to life. The luxury division of Pella is a world-class collection of brands, including Duratherm, Riley, and Bonelli, all pioneers of industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. During this year in 2023, we know how important it is to step back and spend time in gratitude. We appreciate all our clients trusting us with their projects in a record-breaking year. We are excited and ready to take on the new year. In 2023, the luxury division of Pella doesn't push beyond limits. They set them. Explore PellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today. There we go. <clears throat> so shout out to Stanley K. Rid- Wrigley. Yep. He's the author of Brutal Minds. And Brutal Minds is, uh, it says, the dark world of left-wing brainwashing in our universities. I'm going to have Stanley on the podcast on the Monday Morning Show uh, in about three weeks. I'm excited to listen to him. He is a uh, he is a professor at, I believe, Drexel University, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna drop some red pills and some knowledge bombs on the show. So, yeah, but while we're giving him a shout out, this he sent us like twenty books. Yeah, it yeah. was awesome. 
Um, it's so funny. We were just talking about brainwashing on Netflix. There's this magician show. Um, and the first season, the first episode, it's the last segment in there. He, he basically brainwashed and influences influencers. And it's, it's, it's quite funny and illuminating how it's done. Um, so it, it, real tactic. Uh, interesting to see what's going on there. Next, I want to show you this construction robot, Lance, and you tell me what you think about it. Okay, describe, whoa, we don't need the sound on there. What are you seeing? What is it doing? It looks like a Roomba, and it, I am guessing, I'm trying to guess what it's doing. It's running around, oh, it's chalking lines on the floor. It must be doing a framing layout. I love this idea. Holy cow, that's awesome. For a robot. Just to program that in and just think you could, I'm not an AutoCAD fan, but I know how it works. It could, you could easily have a program saying, take this line layer. Yes. Write this line layer on the ground. And it just, it just does it. And robots and, um. What is this product? Like, what does it say it is? Take a look. Take a look. Uh, Dusty Dusty Robotics. Robotics. Yep. Via Amazon Engineering. Amazing Engineering, yep. Oh, amazing. Go okay. up. Okay, keep going, yeah. Dusty ro Robotics Tools. I'll go back. There you go. Yeah, Dusty Robotics pow robo Robot-powered tools for modern construction workforce. Interesting. I'm okay. sure California. it might be expensive now, but... Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, does it say product? Go up to product. Ah, <laughs> they aren't telling you how much it costs. You should sign up and tell us, Al. Look at that. Soffits, lays out soft, lays out. Yep, does it for wood, obviously. Um, very, very pricing plans. Pricing plans. What, what does it say? Plans. Ooh, they got a printer subscription and concierge. Request a quote. Okay. Ah. All right. Well, either way, so I would say this is probably bleeding edge. Um, and once it moves into cutting edge, just like the LIDAR scanning that uh, folks are starting to implement at their architecture firms, even their construction and real estate firms. Now, you know, the price, the price point started at like 20 to 25 to 50,000 for these, for these cameras. And now, you know, we talked about it in our show multiple times. Now we got one, we got the whole setup for about 8k. It's art. It paid itself off like the first week we had it. And I got to imagine we're going to get to a point with this. Um, for for this sort of a layout thing, I think this is this is awesome. Yeah, very. very I cool. I need this in my life, for sure. Yeah, I need multiple iterations. I, I, I that <coughs> thing will not take smoke breaks. That thing will not be hungover. That thing will just do its job and won't even complain. Yeah, yeah. that's what I need. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it too. I, I'm just trying to think about other ideas too. Like if if it could, let's say it has wheels. Um, where it could move sideways too, and you could put down a base plate and it could just like, if it had a little arm or just like the overhang and be like stud, stud, you know, like, uh, King stud, King stud, Jack, Jack, just print it out. Oh yeah. It. I could do that. I, I, I it could probably, we could maybe do that. Uh, what I would, what I really want is I want one that clings to the wall and the ceilings and does all the taping and texturing and mudding. That would just be giant. Ooh. That would be the that would be if, if please make Elon. You're reading later on the show, and if you could just if you could just make that happen, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Hard pivot. Good. From robots into two pass. I want to set a couple scenarios for you and get your reaction. All right. Okay. So one is this idea that society and culture swings on a pendulum, right? 
And what's happening today on both sides of the political aisle um, is they are untethering responsibility to reality. Like their fiscal responsibility isn't tethered to reality. And I'll go with government spending. I'll give specific examples, right? So let's first use Chicago. Chicago public pension system works like this. If you're a police officer, a teacher, a fireman, you know, um, work for the city. That's a lot, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know what's so funny is if you look at a lot of city demographics, the third biggest employer is normally the city. Right. Right? <laughs> Librarians, whatever. Bunch yeah. of d- bunch of b- d- people, right? So, Lance, if you work <clears throat> at that, the government decided your last year, you get 90% of your salary for the rest of your life. But the caveat to that is your salary includes overtime. So if you were rational or smart or wanted to make the most of it, and this is what happens your last year, you pull as much overtime as possible. So let's say easy numbers. You used to be making $100,000 a year. Um, So you get $90,000 for the rest of your life and your spouse's life because that's what's fair. That's what we need to do for the people that served us, right? Okay. You pull overtime. Now you that last year you made one hundred seventy five thousand, so I don't even know what ninety percent of that. So now you're getting one hundred fifty thousand, more than you've ever made besides last year. Where does the rubber hit the road? The rubber hits the road where oh you just stated that, you didn't put away money to pay for that. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so literally the pension bubble. Keep going. Literally right now, Chicago fifty percent of your property taxes goes to people who do not are not even employed right now. Right. Right. There's obviously an easy solution to this. Like other countries, other places have done the solutions. Australia, New Zealand, places like this. We ha- they have government workers. They have a pension plan. And it's, hey, here's your salary. Here's how much must go into your pension plan. Mm-hmm. You can even choose where that goes if you want to put it in whatever, you know, kind of like here, private. And that's what you get. So you you pay for it. You choose it. Then you get it. Why I'm doing these two contrasts is that. If you think that who is in charge is smart and intelligent, they set up a system that they don't even know. They literally just made a rule unbased from reality Mm -hmm. and how to pay for it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And if you think, hey, um, they're going to basically wise up and make hard decisions and tell all those people that that's not true. No, they're going to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. And what's the opposite? Just tax rich people, right? And a lot of people might say, hey, they need to pay more. Amazon's not paying. That's fine, right? Uh-huh. What, what I'm saying is that they're going to go back to 70%, mm-hmm. 80%, probably not 90%, mm-hmm. taxing on the wealthy. The only problem with that is, one, is that didn't solve the problem of you just making stuff up. And then just taxing rich people. And then all of a sudden, you're just going to collapse the whole system. And this is what happened with Reagan. Then Reagan came in, did a, did a lot of reforms. So I don't know that like to think that we're not going to go back to extremely high tax rates because because here's the opposite. You would just have to admit that you made a mistake and be like, oh, oh no, no. Yeah, we, and they can't do that. It's impossible yeah. for them to do that. They yeah. can't do it. There's and, no there's no there's no responsibility in this world at this point. And literally propose like, hey, the new thing going forward is what you pay in and what you make is yeah. what you get. You know, like instead of that basic solution, it's literally gonna be a culture war and a fight and are gonna raise taxes immensely because they can't make rational 
decisions. And I'll go against the right here and that, because the right isn't your savior on this either, right? And I want people to know if that happens because like once you have clarity about things, like you can deal with them easier. Not that it's going to be nice, sure. not, you know, at least you know what's yeah. going on, right? <clears throat> Republicans, if you think, hey, they're going to come in, they're going to cut spending. Those something. big mean Republicans. Yep. They only do it when they're not in power. Right. They, when, they, they what, only, they only uh, try to speak cut. out of the side of their mouth. They speak, they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth, right? So the, on one side, when they're not in power, like, look at us. And then the other side of their mouth, it's like, yeah, but you don't have any power. So you're just, just all talk. The most amount of money printed and spent and not taken in relative was when it's Republican president, yeah. Republican Senate, yeah. Republican Congress, right? So <clears throat> um, who knows how long this kind of culture war clash and just taxing and and what i mean with the taxing is like you're not gonna you're not making things more efficient thus you're making yourself less competitive right so that might go on who knows four eight twelve years twenty years and then eventually it has to swing back or else it just collapsed the other path the other path is the basic status quo right and and here's what people think is uh kind of the best outcome is America keeps making its decisions how it is. Uh, there's checks and balances. We run up a debt, but, but it's all fine. The Fed threads the needle. But what's happening that we saw since 1970s is basically like inflation keeps going up, productivity, uh, while it says it, it, it's, it's going up like productivity is going up in other places like China and things like that. And essentially what we're making is a huge paper tiger. And why that is a paper tiger is, uh, here's one example, U Ukraine war, right? <clears throat> U.S. is sending a whole bunch of missiles. These missiles cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Sure. Even half a million dollars. Yeah. They're shooting down Iranian drones that cost $10,000. Uh -huh. How sustainable is that? Not very sustainable. <laughs> Not very sustainable. Yeah. So all of a sudden you have this idea in America that, hey, um, the status quo is basically on the presumption that everyone else will do as worse as you. Okay. For you to maintain your, your status. Okay. If any country gets their act together, uh -huh. this is what happens when basically these big World War One, World War Two happens, is that a new system comes in and totally destroys the old way of doing something. Sure. So what seems like the best scenario of status quo is like, hey, we just keep operating like we've been doing for for 40, 50 years leads to someone who's competent to take over, which is also not good. Okay. What do you think about those two paths? Uh, you know, the only, the only thought I really had was I was trying to, I was hoping there was a, there was a pause in there and there wasn't, and that's okay. Uh, but <clears throat> I interviewed this gal and her name is, uh, I, uh, gosh, it's failing me right now. Let me, let me get it up right here real quick. I interviewed her and her episode is going to air in about six weeks, I think at the end of May. So let's see. It was one second here. That was one I was on. And then I had her on Merit Khan. She is a, she's a, she's a real go getter. She was awesome. And I, the way, the way I think this relates to, uh, any kind of business is, uh, there's there's two things that are competing against each other. They either compete against each other or they live in harmony, and you want them to live in harmony with each other, uh, because and the comp the competing example is 
you have a highly optimistic client with a very um, unrealistic expectation and 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 uh, not expectation, um, they perception of reality. So okay. they have a very high level of op- of optimism about what they're going to do. Let's say they come to you and they want to design and build a custom house. They're insanely optimistic about it. It's going to be great, be like, amazing, great, uh, great, amazing. Beautiful. We're going to have all this glass. Oh my God, we're going to. It's going to be. We're going to blur the lines between the outside and the inside. Yes. We're going to have these huge glass doors. And this giant glass wall, it's going to be super sleek, modern, elegant, sleek, uh, it's just going to be state-of-the-art. We're going to be a net positive. And then their expectation and, and uh, in reality is way off base because they don't understand how much those things cost comparative to what their actual budget is. So that's where it is. That's what I'm trying to relate it to. The, mm. the, the pension idea here is like they, they said, like you said, they... They said that they were going to do these things without any kind of semblance to reality. Yep. And so you're setting yourself up for failure. So that's why I think it's it's super important to. Um, and what I what I told this gal was I said like like when and the another, I had another lady on. Her name was Jan. She's from the UK, and she shocked me because I I always had the impression that you need like you're going to have to be a seasoned business owner to be able to har- give people harsh truths. And feel confident about it, uh, and, and like, and not feel sheepish about saying no, basically, to them. No, in various ways, either like no of like to them entirely, maybe because they have that very high optimism and low, uh, low expectation of what reality really is, or let's say you know, for instance, for um, Jan, she talked about on the show, she talked about. She had this uh, very high-end, very uh, well-known client. She wouldn't tell me who they were, and that's okay. But she was like, if you went to a mall in America, their store would be in the mall. Put it that way. Okay. She goes, I told them no. I saw their profit margins. I, I knew it was set, it was a failure. They were highly optimistic, yeah. but they were setting themselves up and then me up for failure. They would have been like our, they would have taken a third of our portfolio. You know, they would have been like that big fish you want to go after to have like a solid base around you for that. So <clears throat> that's, that's, that's my take on the whole thing is like we are so separated from reality and then the consequences involved with that reality with this high level of optimism that, you know, w- what happens at the end of that disaster, just disaster, like a, a reset. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's like, if there was any, what I hate is when people go on these rants like I do or, or you do, and then they don't have any sort of solution or anything like that. I, I think individually yourself just needs to be an actor in the sense of you you can judge what is you should be able to judge what is reality and what is not reality and you should and you should be able to take a hard stance and not literally say hey if i hate this side of politics the other side might be great it is what i need to go to no 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 all feet need to be held to the fire Eternal vigilance need to happen or you'll go into uh, tyranny. Um, Holy cow. It is it is okay to say that your side is not doing the right thing and to be and you made a a mistake. My God. Yes. And and, and I I am not a fan of a seeker of truth. Yes. A a truther. I'm I'm not a fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger after what he told Americans. He said, screw your freedom. But you know what he did this last two weeks? He apologized. And I'm kind of on the fence. Did he? Yeah. He apologized for it. Like, 
how much better off would the world be if 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 some of these you know all of these mistakes that were made with with the government during COVID and just everything, like a lot of people on uh, on the right side of the spectrum, they say like no amnesty, no forgiveness, and and I'm I'm with them. Like that was devastating in so many different ways, but uh, and the the reason they're saying that is because. Well, there's never any apologies for this. There's never any justice for all the wrongdoings and stuff like that. At at some point, the dam has to break with all that, though. Like if the, the if the if light always wins compared to the darkness, if the truth always comes out, no matter how deep the lies, and it seems like they do, no matter like all the, the truth. The problem is, is that the truth gets obfuscated for like two years, and then it finally sneaks out at the end. Yep. And then everybody's already moved on to a different lie that they're perpetuating. Yep. And we just repeat this cycle. And the problem with not not admitting mistakes is that now you have to make an apparatus to hold up the lie. And now you're setting people against each other, mm-hmm. right? So one example is we don't know factually, but many people have come out and uh, it seems to be the truth that it was probably a lab leak that COVID came from. That's not the... That actually makes sense. It's not even the biggest deal. The bigger deal was covering that and saying that you can't talk about that and silencing people for, for talking about that and making the operation for doing that. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yep. Um, I have one more thing, too, at, before this poll. Uh, what do you think the Fed is going to come out with? 0.25. I agree. I agree. 0.25. I think they actually can. The economy, they could thread this needle. We've talked about it. Like, I can't believe. And I, I like, we've said, we've said it on air. They could thread the needle perfectly. And they seem like they're doing it. Perfectly meaning they're not, they didn't blow up the economy like they did during the financial crash in 2008 and 2009, where money completely froze up. And if money completely freezes up, then everybody's in trouble. We are seeing, I am saying, I'm hearing and seeing some things like that happen on the ground here. Uh, our plumber, for instance, just had in uh, 13 houses, freeze up uh not 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 like literally but i mean from from a financial standpoint they're like yeah there's the funding dried up uh so but then they put that big stop gap in and i really again i didn't i had i wouldn't even have thought for a million years that would be the fed's last available pivot was like oh you can actually insure everybody maybe there's even one more after this that they have i mean the the and the big telling sign like alex talked about i think last week was when, you know, the BRICS meeting, when that's going to happen, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and I forget the last South one. Africa. South Africa, yep, makes up that acronym. They're going to meet in August. They're going to try to ins- They're going to try to basically become whatever they decide uh, is the currency. It will be the new dollar. I hope they call it a brick. Like, shouldn't they call sure. it a brick? Sure. Sounds like a brick house. Yeah. Yep. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, in other news, if it's okay for us to pivot, mm, yes, hard our, pivot, hard no soft pivot. So, uh, Mr. Elon Musk, hero, entrepreneur, best capitalist of all time, I think. Uh, he was interviewed by uh, the BBC, and he invited him into Twitter. And I've got a little clip here that I, I just would I want. I, I don't even think Alex has seen this yet no. because he's only seen the highlight of him body slamming the BBC. Oh, man. 
uh, reporter on the question of uh, hate speech and all that. This is much different. This is business related. Here we go. In, in rough numbers, a revenue dropped from four and a half billion to three, um, uh, and um, expenses went from four and a half to six, creating a three billion dollar negative cash flow situation, um, and Twitter having a billion dollars in the bank. That's four months to live. So unless drastic action was taken immediately, this company's going to die and be owned well, by the banks. Let, let's talk about that drastic action, because almost immediately um, you sacked a lot of Twitter workers. Um, yeah. And, and, and look, I, I spoke to them. It was very easy to speak to them uh, when it happened. And, and, and the way they said, mm-hmm. pretty much everyone said, is, is that it felt quite haphazard. It was. And it felt a little bit uncaring. Do you, do you, do you, uh, do I wouldn't you, say uncaring. The, 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 you know, the issue is like uh, the, the company's either going to go bankrupt uh, or if, if we do not cut costs immediately, um, this is not a, a caring, uncaring situation. It's like if the whole ship sinks, then nobody's got a job. Right. Yeah. But, but a lot of people just lost their jobs like that. Um, and and, and the, they, weren't, well, what, they didn't what, even know they would, they would, they'd lost their jobs often. They, just, okay. were just, they were just frozen so out of you, their accounts. What would you do? Well, you might want to give someone some notice. I mean, you might. It's, by the way, I, I'm not running Twitter, but, I know, but this, this is the criticism, and this is what actual this is what I staff members but, say. A but, little bit of notice, uh, you know. No, I understand. You have four months to live. 120 days. In 120 days, you're dead. So how? So what do you want to do? I'm gonna bleep this. You to that reporter from the BBC. What a little prick. Go ahead. A lot, a lot of bleeps in that one. Uh, did he go on and say, because I remember when it came out, the severance packages were something like six to eight months. Uh, he said he goes on to say that they were uh, at a minimum three months. Okay, three months. Of salary. So, so a lot of times with firings, I, I've gotten fired. I've, I've gotten laid off. I've laid off people. Um, it comes immediately, but then you're... It comes immediately because you don't want anyone to sabotage your internal systems. Yeah. So like notice that you're going to get fired never happens in the history. Now there are probably some cases where it has like maybe manufacturing, like, Hey, you're going to be laid off in four months. The, the production line is going down, you know, whatever. Sure. But generally, especially in tech, right. It doesn't happen. So your lifeline then is on maybe that give back them into- some notice. Try right. Try why. Why. Why I was so angry at the, at the after right. the reaction there with that guy is like, run a business, do it. Run a business. Run a business. Put your ass on the line for once instead of run, having this cushy publicly. By the way, and then then that was the other thing the PBC guy was saying it was like we should be labeled as publicly funded. And Elon laughed about it and he goes like, I'll, I'll do it if you want to. I'll, I'll label you guys as publicly. If people don't know what I'm talking about, it's. Uh, NPR is now boycotting Twitter because Elon Musk rightly put a label on them that said, you guys are government, you guys are state-run media. They are. They're federally funded. It's on their website. I don't know how you could not have that definition be, be correct. So, <clears throat> the, so he was complaining that, oh, well, we're, public, we're publicly funded. We're not, we're not propaganda and all this stuff. Like you're, you're, in a, you're in a very cushy propagandic machine guy. You step out. Of your little comfort box, go run a little business for once, yep. and I want you to put your ass on the line, and I want you to recognize the reality of every single business owner. I don't care how small you are, how big you are. You have 120, you have X amount of days to live. What does that mean? 
you have hopefully projected if you're if you're following along with this show how much how much billable work how much available work you have then you have then you have cash reserves you have to project where your death where your death blow is like at what point do you have to start making hard decisions for this so i actually so i went and asked the Ontario architect community how many how much bill if you're watching on youtube you'll see this how much billable work in terms of months is your rule of thumb to have in your books at a minimum using an equation as follows Total fi- total figure of billable architecture work uh, divided by cost to run your firm, including salaries plus ten percent profit per month equals X amount of months. Yep. And most people, and I, th- Al, Al and I have been talking about this internally. So there was there was eighteen people that responded. That was good enough for me. Thirty three percent of people said six months. Sixteen uh, percent said twelve months. That's which huge. Am- yeah, which is amazing. And then the other big figure was three, three months. months. Yep. Um, we use twenty percent profit. Just yeah, because we're the profits of profit. As a profit of profit, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, so w- I, what I was hoping you could talk about I was like, w- you and I kind of decided, like, yeah, it seems like the default people are just going to say is six months. It's kind of like with with your own uh, personal finances. You're like, I need three months. Yep. You know, yep. how? What do you? Why do you think? Like, what do you? What would you tell somebody listening that says like? How do you actually figure out exactly where you need to be? I think, it, okay, first off, I think it's fine if you make your backlog, right? Um, and the profit course goes over this and there's a whole bunch of things to it. But if you make your backlog and if you think in your head, okay, six months, that's fine. But once you start tracking it for four months, six months, eight months, we have been operating mm. for years on a four-month backlog. So like that is our realistic backlog, right? And now we use that as a metric. If it gets too much, you don't want that backlog to grow too much because now you aren't supplying your clients with timely responses and executing the work, right? If it goes down two months, I mean, yeah, two months or however many months, like, holy cow, something might be happening. We need to be prepared Mm -hmm. for how to cut costs, all that other stuff. Um, One thing I wanted to say about the publicly funded thing. So the devil's advocate uh, to that is they state NPR and BBC that they this attacks their credibility and journalistic ethics and, and stuff like that because you know they are upstanding and all that. It doesn't. And here's why. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. How many times have you seen very hard hitting pieces from those two organizations? I could be wrong, but I listened to NPR for a while until literally every break was a jazz break of four minutes of nonsense and their uh their news wasn't news right there's so many headlines and so many flashing lights that are going on have you investigated how your government is literally corrupt and taking bribes (laughs) and printing money and not you know like do you do that to the government that gives you money do you specifically then go into and say like, yeah, looks like these senators and congressmen are making more money than Warren Buffett. Oh, they're ahead of your funding source? Like, it's fine that you're publicly funded. It's it's fine. I, I, if I was running the government, I obviously wouldn't have it, right? But people should know like, oh, you're not going to attack the hand that feeds you. Bingo. Maybe this is more about jazz and other cultural stuff that I, that I Bingo. like. Now, now I know. Yeah. Exactly. N- NPR is National Public Radio. Yeah. National. 
<laughs> national. So crazy. They're so crazy. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, what do we got next, Al? Uh, we have Airy Jeopardy. Let's, let's bring, do it. Let's bring down the crew. Question number one. According to the IRC, masonry weep holes shall be provided at a maximum space of how many inches on center? Is it A, 16, B, 24, C, 33, D, 48? Know this or give me your license. Wow. Now. Al, the harsh reality well, king. Weep holes. Yeah, weep holes? In me. Yeah. You guys know what no, it is? I understand. It's just you didn't give the answer I thought it was. Oh, uh, the answer is C. <sighs> 33 inches. Clearly. Okay, once Lance is looking this up, I'm going to I mean, once Lance talks, I'm going to I'm going to double check. But I but I thought it was 33. Okay. <laughs> Question number 2. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's not working. Lintels supporting brick. Oh, I'll fix it for you. Should bear on how many inches of support, right? Into lintels over a window opening, door opening, whatever. Is it A, three inches, B, four inches, D, six inches? That was C, six inches, D, referred to engineer drawings. <laughs> nice. Like that? Is it? Yep. What do we got? B. Four inches. Okay. Number three. What is the name of the first building in the world to use a structural diagrid system? Is it A, the Lloyd's Building, B, the Gherkin, C, the Hearst Tower, or D, the Torre Agbar? I like that name. The last one? Yeah. That's a good name. I tried to roll my R's. 33 inches. Uh, The question itself. Need it again? What is the name of the first building in the world to use a structural diagrid system? Is it A, the Lloyd's Building, B, the Gherkin, C, the Hearst Tower, or D, the Torre Agbar? And the correct answer is A, the Lloyd's Building. What do we got for scores? One, one, one. One? What the heck? Okay, number four. What is the, what is the name of the architect who designed the spiral jetty, a land art piece located in Utah? Is it A, Michael Heiser, B, Richard Serra, C, Robert Smithson, D, Christo and Jean-Claude. Some French. Correct correct answer is C, Robert Smithson. Did anybody, Ross got it. Ross is the winner. Ross, where are we going to eat? I like the roost. Roost? I like it. Yep. Um, Or if we went early, that breakfast place right down the road. You got it. (laughs) Uh, I'm cool with the roost. Okay. I can tell you're hungry. No, I'm actually okay. He's actually okay. Yeah. All right. If you like this episode, you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe. If you're, watching, if you're listening on iTunes, five-star review. If you are a fan, please send us your questions, your comments, gifts. We love it. Talk to you next week.